Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where every week we discuss the latest issues surrounding the complicated world of personal finance. Each week, join Walter Storholt and certified financial planner Dan Capril as they help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. And for more information on today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. Welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Dan Capril. He's a certified financial planner and wealth coach serving you in Cincinnati and all the surrounding areas as well. Dan has offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and Northern Kentucky as well. You can find out all sorts of great information by going online to quizdan.com. We're taking a great question from one of you this week that has to do with the fiduciary rule. And we've heard a lot about the, the DOL and the fiduciary rule lately, and that's pretty much what Bridget in Cincinnati's question is on the podcast this week. So we thought we'd dedicate some time to talking about that. What do I need to know, Bridget says, about this fiduciary rule that's been in the news and that I've been hearing all about lately? Well, Bridget, let's first talk about the politics behind this, because there's always politics. And very often the way our friends in the media will describe something isn't always the whole story. So essentially what the DOL ruling states is that in dealing with matters of a pension plan, the financial advisor must adopt what is called a fiduciary standard, which means that they will put the interest of their clients ahead of their own. Now, that certainly seems worthy, certainly seems proper. It's almost like the Hippocratic oath that a physician would take. But we need to understand that it goes a little bit further than that. Now, first of all, if you work with somebody who's a certified financial planner or you work with somebody who is a registered investment advisor, they have already adopted this standard. And it's not just with your pension money. They have adopted this standard in any area in which they can work with you. So the first thing I would say is that where somebody wants to have somebody helping them in their best interest, that has always been available to you. Now, how is this enforced? Well, that's where the politics comes into play. This fiduciary standard that's being required that everybody adopts, whether you're a stockbroker, an insurance agent, you don't have to be a CFP or a registered investment advisor anymore. If you're going to hold yourself out now as a financial advisor, you're going to be forced to adopt this fiduciary standard. And by doing that, what it has done, it has created for our friends in the legal world a whole new avenue for lawsuits. Because prior to the fiduciary standard, most financial advisors had what was called a suitability standard, which meant as long as the, um, the recommendation was suitable, it didn't necessarily have to be in the client's best interest, but as long as it was suitable, then they have met their legal obligation. Now, you can see that in, in a courtroom, um, the one is a lot harder to prove than the other or disprove than the other. Let me give you an example. Let's say you put a five-year-old in my care for the weekend. So I'm, I'm responsible for taking care of this child. And we have every single meal at McDonald's. So six meals at McDonald's. Was I acting in the best interest of the child? No. No, I was not. I was not giving proper nutrition. But was I giving him a suitable diet? Well, I was giving him food. <laughs> I was giving him calories. I did not starve him. So if you're going to take me to court and you're going to say I violated my suitability commitments, 
I'll probably win because suitability was just a matter of making sure you had food. Now, if you're going to take me to court and say that I didn't act in the client's best interests because I gave him junk food, well, then you are going to win. So this is what we're faced with right now. In matters of dealing with pension assets, 401ks, 403bs, those types of things, it is now going to be easier to not only sue, but it's going to be easier to win against your financial advisor. And look, that's fine. Again, I as a certified financial planner and a registered investment advisor have adopted the fiduciary standard, not just in pension assets. I've adopted it in everything that I do. My concern though, is that now that we've opened up this whole new playing field for lawsuits, attorneys are going to be popping up left and right. So whereas right now, you know, they're, they're, they're suing, you know, they're advertising to sue uh, for medical malpractice. Now they're going to be showing up to sue for bad investment advice. And look, if you've been harmed, you have every right to be made whole again. But the suitability standard versus the fiduciary standard, you're going to see a lot of advisors getting out of this business. You're going to see more and more advisors not wanting to go that route. They're just going to see themselves as being too vulnerable. The courts are going to side a lot more on this, this issue that you weren't acting in the person's best interest. Now, my firm will probably benefit by this because we've always had the fiduciary standard and we do things in a rather competent way that I'm comfortable with. Um, but I do worry that in the long run, there's going to be some unintended consequences. So what's going to happen, Bridget, is going forward, if you work with a financial advisor in matters of your, your company pension plan, and largely this would be if you were to do a rollover to an IRA, that there is going to be additional paperwork. And the thing that's going to be made known to you is that by bringing in the financial advisor, you are picking up his fee. Whereas if the money stays in your plan, you are not having his fee. Now, you may have other fees, but his specific fee doesn't exist in your plan. It's only when you roll it over to him. So they want to make sure that people are aware that the advisor doesn't work for free. And the, the, the presence of a fee can be perceived as not acting in the client's best interest unless the client acknowledges it in writing. So you got to love it when lawyers get involved with these things. In the end, it'll just probably be at least initially one more form that you will have to sign. And I think in many cases, you will see firms that are commission-based get away from commissions. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But there's always unintended consequences that go along with this. So again, to, to reiterate, I'm all for everybody saying to their clients, I'm going to put your best interests ahead of mine. But just understand that legal ramifications that can come when everybody's holding themselves out there. Um, the, the motivation for this, in my opinion, was not to protect the consumer. The motivation for doing this was to give a bone to the legal community. And they got it. And I don't see it changing. In fact, if anything, it'll probably get more so. And I think the motivation behind that also is the fact that they know their ability to sue for medical malpractice will eventually go away as we move closer and closer to a single-payer environment. So, a little bit of insight on that. In the end, is it a win-win for the consumer? Let's hope it's a draw. I think where the potential loss is going to be is, is in fewer advisors being out there. But uh, I, I think that, really, if you wanted a fiduciary standard applied to you, you could have always had it. There was no need to make other advisors who don't hold themselves in that vein 
follow that. Uh, there are plenty of us out here who do, who can service your needs. So I know it's complicated, and I know that there's been a lot of press, but in the end, it's not nearly as complicated as it's made out to be. Well, thank you so much for that question, and it is important to remember that the fiduciary, the new DOL rule that has come through, yeah, it's got a lot of complexities to it, but you can also uh, kind of weed through a lot of those elements and realize that there have been advisors out there who have been a fiduciary for a long time without being, quote-unquote, forced to become fiduciaries now with that rule in place. So we'll be interested to see how it affects things from that broader perspective. Uh, that's it for this week's Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Coming up next week, we're going to have another edition of The Mailbag, where we'll dig in and get a couple of good questions from folks just like you. We're also going to answer another question about market crashes. Someone who is expecting the next market crash to happen anytime. But they've also been saying that for the past four years. How can we maybe change that mindset that obviously seems to have some flaws in it while still being prepared for future downturns? We'll get into those details and much more on the next Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.